Anyway, look, we are here on uh, Environmental as Anything talking uh, about the climate chaos, which is, uh, you know, has been afflicting us all uh, this year. I mean, we have had the hottest year on record uh, last year and we've consistently had the hottest months on record uh, for each of the months of the year and we are, uh, the spike in the heat uh, going on around the globe is ca- causing chaos wherever we look, but it's uh, it's all around us uh, here in the Northern Rivers. We've seen the uh, the the with with trepidation the the numerous cyclones hitting the coast and the tail end of them uh, coming down and giving us a bit of a bit of rainfall in a in a period where it was supposed to be dry but down in victoria they've been over the last week experiencing uh some even more extremes than we've uh, than we've seen lately uh climate chaos has uh, caught victorians off guard and it's increasingly volatile weather flinging communities between catastrophic fires weather and fatal floods. Well, Sam Galvin has been in the middle of that from his place uh, near the Dandenong Ranges. Uh, Sam's a, uh, a volunteer fire, uh, fire fighter and uh, also a, a, a convener, national liaison officer with the Friends of the Earth Australia. So he has uh, quite a good perspective on what's been going on there since he's been out trying to uh, get people, uh, you know, get their services back on track and make them safe from this emergency. So, Sam, thank you so much for joining Environmental as anything to share your story with us. No problem, Sean. Happy to join. Well... It's um, it's been real chaos down there, hasn't it? I mean, we're hearing stories of like massive fires, huge property losses, damage to um, the uh, uh, the forests. But those aren't in your local area. The, what I understand is that you've been severely affected around your area by uh, huge winds and uh, you know power outages caused by power towers uh, being blown over. Can how's that been for you, mate? Yeah, absolutely. Look, um. It- started on Tuesday for us. We were expecting some really bad fire conditions. It was a total fire ban day and, um, you know, we had extreme uh, fire dangers in our area and um, up uh, northeast it was um, even uh, catastrophic. Like, it's it's been... So we were, we were ready for that and um, in the afternoon we got called out to chasing some lightning strikes, but I don't think any of us could, could have really prepared... Uh, or were prepared for the absolute chaos of storms that hit us. Mm. Um, it was the equivalent to a like small tornado by the looks of it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we've been dealing with uh, some huge uh, trees down all over um, our area in Jembrook and all of the surrounds, but... Um, yeah, some real risks, you know, power outages, um, a lot of power lines down that have made it really unsafe for crews to be working. Uh, we've had um, absolutely, at times, no service and no way of contacting the out world um, and no way of getting out. We've been quite literally trapped, uh, uh, yeah. That must be extremely distressing and uh, it must put people in real danger to have uh, these kinds of unprecedented uh, emergencies coming at them out of the blue, literally. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's, um, it is really intense and quite traumatic for a lot of people. You know, mm. there's been cases where 
people have been trapped in their cars while trees have been falling on them or, um, you know, have, have quite literally lost everything, their home, um, their livelihood in the matter of 10 minutes. You know, that storm didn't last for long, but the damage will last for such a long time. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, you know, obviously we, we've all experienced some some of that around the place. Lismore got a he- mm. heap of it only a couple of years ago, and and you know, I can tell you that around here we are still reeling uh, to some extent or other. I, I had uh, ex- conversations with uh, two different uh, uh, like businesses just last week when I was trying to get my brush cutter repaired, trying to get my trailer repaired. In both instances, they were referring to the changes in their work practices due to the, the flooding, you know, two years years ago now so it's the sort of thing that becomes cumulative doesn't it mm, absolutely oh lismore got hit so hard um yeah down here it's it changes the way we operate in all senses you know we've got people locals who have been here for 50 60 years who say they've never seen anything like this before mm. it is quite quite unprecedented. Yeah, it's quite unprecedented and it changes the way you operate uh, if you're well prepared, doesn't it? Do you feel like you've, uh, the, the community's been given proper warning and, uh, and you know, that the authorities have given, uh, you know, taken uh, proper precautions uh, to, to, to prepare for this level of extreme uh, climatic conditions? Oh, look, on one hand, we've got uh, apps like the Vic Emergency app that give us notifications when we get extreme weather and that's helpful, but In some cases, it does really feel like our uh, representatives and our governments are still a few steps behind. You know, we've we've got up here, we didn't have any sort of official relief system for people who have been affected in our town. So, you know, our fire brigade had to come up with a makeshift um, community support centre. We've got people who have no access to generators or power um, and due to... Uh, panic, they've been sold out everywhere, so people are left stranded without um, food or fuel. Um, yeah, it, it does in some cases feel like uh, there are those who are still dragging their feet. How about the fireys? Like you're a fiery, and you know you go out there and you you, you see these conditions, you see the extremes, um, you know, and you're part of a, a, a Australian firefighters for climate action. It seems that uh, the the frontline uh, first responders like yourself are uh, convinced of the of the the emergency that we're in the midst of. Do, do you think that's a, a generalised? Uh, do you think that's generally an accurate statement uh, of uh, of you know, your fellow fireys and other uh, emergency service workers? Well, look, it's a bit of a a two-sided coin. Like, on one hand, we've got so many fireys who keep mentioning they've never seen anything like this, Mm. but also firefighting culture has historically been a little bit behind. Um, So we still have a huge proportion of the emergency services who still... Uh, in their personal capacity, don't believe that climate change really is an issue. Um, We've got organisations who are really on board um, and who acknowledge it, but this doesn't always translate to um, your local brigades and the local mindset, which can make it incredibly draining when you're out here in these conditions that are unprecedented and you can't really openly talk about it at all. Mm. Mm. That does that does make it extra difficult, like a difficult situation. 
if you can't actually address it openly, so tell the truth, and, uh, and, and you can't really plan for the future, can you? No, no, not at all. And look, we've, we've got um, locals who are incredibly aware and who are incredibly prepared, and we've been starting to do a lot of community resilience building. And it's kind of like you can address the symptoms, but you can't address the diagnosis of climate change. But look, there is, I think, a shift in the narrative, mm. and these sort of weather events have made it really quite hard to... Um, hard to deny what's happening right in front of us. Mm-hmm. Well, Sam, look, I know you've been busy all day and we're, we're taking your time and thank you very much for, 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 for making time to speak to us today. It's great to hear your perspective on all of this um, and, uh, you know, it does help to, to spread the word that this is actually going on and get a, get a personal experience of it. So um, we appreciate that. No problems at all, Sean. Thank you so much for having me. No, not at all. Please stay safe out there, and uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, don't don't put yourself in unnecessary dis- uh, danger. No, not at all. Thank you. <laughs> okay, mate. We'll have a great day. We'll talk again. Awesome. See ya. Cheers. That was Sam Galvin, volunteer fiery and uh, a national liaison officer with Friends of the Earth Australia and part of the Australian Firefighters for Climate Action there in the Dandenong Ranges in Victoria talking about his experiences uh, with the recent uh, extreme weather uh, conditions, uh, the, the climatic chaos that's been, uh, been smashing through their uh, uh, infrastructure and services down there. I'm going to uh, play a track and then I'm hopefully going to get... Uh, Freya Leonard on the line to give us a bit of a, uh, an overview, a broader overview of the climate in Victoria. You're tuned in to Environmental as Anything. <laughs> Send me an angel. Well, it's uh, long overdue. Yes, please send me an angel. That would be handy. Um, in fact, well, I've got the, near, the next best thing on the line, actually, from Victoria, is Freya Leonard, who's um, working, uh, has been working for, uh, for many, many years for our climate and environment and has most lately uh, been uh, working for the Friends of the Earth there in Melbourne uh, on their gas campaign. Uh, she, of course, is there in close proximity to these, uh, these latest uh, chaotic and uh, climatic events uh, which have been uh, traumatising and uh, terrifying Victorians. So I thought we'd, uh, it might be appropriate to get her to give us a broader perspective uh, on the story that uh, Sam Galvin was just giving us his, uh, his take on. Freya, thanks for joining Environmental as Anything again. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Sean. Always, always good. So, uh, yeah, Sam was just talking about some of the experiences he's been having out there near the Dandenong Ranges with, uh, with mm. the severe storms knocking out, uh, you know, power infrastructure, creating dangerous conditions for people and uh, losing services for extended periods. But it's not all mm. that's been going on, is it? There's also this massive fire front going on on the other side of the state. Yes. So, I mean, look, it's, it's a bit of a, it's, it's quite the absolute shite show down here at the moment, um, or has been this week. Uh, the fires in the Grampians just took hold with a suddenness that no one was anticipating. Um, and uh, we've 
seen the loss of 60 homes in total around the Grampians, 44 homes from Pomonal alone, and that's like 20% of the local homes. Wow. Um, half the households have been directly affected through some fire-related loss or other. And, um, yeah, it just completely blindsided them. You know, people who... It's not the first time they've had fires through the Grampians, so the locals around there are, you know, they're not idiots. They've got their plans down. They, you know, know what to do in the event of a fire front approaching them. But um, but even with their plans in place, they were unprepared for the speed and the ferocity of the fires coming through. So it has really just devastated the communities out west uh, in a way that, yeah, they just were not prepared for. Mm. As prepared as they thought they might have been, they still were not prepared enough. Mm. Mm. It seems to be an ongoing pattern with all of these extreme events is that, uh, and I've experienced it myself personally, so no blame mm. in that, but, the you know, you cannot quite conceive of how bad it could be. It always seems to be an upper limit to how bad people think it will be because they measure it by what's happened in the past. Is uh, yeah. Are the authorities, etc., you know, the, the people in, in power and in, in who have responsibility for keeping us alert to these things, are they really giving us proper warnings? Well, I mean, this is one of the things, and, and, and we saw this with the storm that just you know, devastated particularly eastern Victoria on Tuesday, was that the Bureau of Meteorology had told us that there was a you know, chance of a storm coming through and um, sometime around midday, sort of mid-afternoon, uh, but, but there was nothing to... The warnings were not sufficient to give us a heads up that this storm was going to be as devastating as it was. And similarly with the fire conditions for the Grampians, um, it was, no, no, people people didn't feel like they had been warned sufficiently. And look, you know, in fairness to the Bureau of Meteorology, the modelling that they use is based on um, historical climate patterns, historical mm. weather patterns, and everything, all of that has been thrown out the window. We're now looking at utter chaos. Mm. You know, with um, with the shifting of uh, ocean currents, slowing down, speeding up, the heating, the heating of the ocean and what that is doing to climactic models just leaves the Bureau of Meteorology unprepared to anticipate the sorts of um, weather events that we're now seeing mm. almost on the regular as well, you know. Once upon a time, you might get one of these along every 100 or so years, but now it almost feels like it's every couple of weeks. Mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I think Lismore has had uh, uh, five uh, one in a hundred year floods in six years or something, you know. Right, uh, you know. The, so we can relate to that. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. So and and as well, you know, I mean, if we're looking at then, so that's the sort of prep, you know, the front end um, agency work of, of you know trying to anticipate these disasters. But then it's worth noting that with the storms that we had on Tuesday, particularly. Um, Victorian police had never had so many calls ever in the history mm. of Victorian police. Uh, emergency services, um, it was the fourth highest number of calls emergency services has ever received. But, um, but when that, and that in itself is freaky, but when we look at the fact that so many phones were down and so, so many people couldn't make calls at all, I mean, there was 33,000 homes without power in the east of Victoria. Good Lord. So how many extra calls could have been made but couldn't have been made because the phone lines were devastated and there was no phone contact for some people. I mean, some people now are still only just getting back onto um, telecommunications and many homes are still without power. 
Yes, and uh, you know, do we do we know of any uh, like estimations, any reasonable sort of uh, guesses about what, uh, how long that's going to be? How long before people are actually going to get back to normal or something like a normal? Well, I mean, an indicator is that um, the state and federal governments are putting together joint uh, are working together to uh, put out hardship payments to those who are without power for one week or more. Mm. So that does suggest to us that they are anticipating that there will be homes still without power by Wednesday next week. Um, bit by bit, homes are coming online. My mum lives out in um, South Gippsland and she was and her township was without power for 24 hours, um, which isn't that long. But when you consider that, that meant that all of the um, FPOS machines were down, <laughs> mm. um, petrol pumps weren't working... Mm. Uh, so it was cash only if you wanted to buy something, but you couldn't get money out of the ATM mm. because the ATMs were down because there was no power to them either. And so it's it's really we're seeing with these major climate events, one thing goes down and then there's this whole cascading effect mm. that, you know, brings everything to a grinding halt. And, uh, and so it's the knock-on effect. It's not just the events themselves, but it's the knock-on effects. And we need to be more prepared and, and more resilient uh, at an infrastructure level for these sorts of events happening because they're just going to keep coming and they're only going to get worse. Mm, mm. And, of course, I guess, uh, you know, the, you mentioned state and federal governments. Uh, you know, how do you... What, what, what do you think of the, uh, the the Victorian state government and the federal government's response to the climate uh, action at this point? Do you think this might be the wake-up call that's needed to bring the Victorian government uh, completely on board with that or do you feel that they've already... You know, what, what do you, how, how would you assess that? Well, look, my read on the Victorian government is that um, certainly the energy minister absolutely gets it mm. and, uh, and has implemented a series of reforms that address, really, you know, um, meaningfully address some of the drivers for dangerous climate change. So they've got a plan on the table to... Um, they're, they're really dedicated to removing gas from the energy matrix in Victoria as quickly as possible. Mm. And that is going to have an enormous positive impact over particularly the next 20 years because that's when methane is most dangerous in the climate. And, mm. and you know, don't need to tell anyone the next 20 years are particularly critical mm. <laughs> in, in avoiding the worst excesses of climate change. Mm. And they have also strengthened their emissions reduction targets for Victoria, brought it forward to... Um, uh, 100% uh, renewable energy by 2040 mm. um, and they're looking at net zero emissions by 2045 mm. from the top of my head. Oh, I might be wrong about that. Mm. It might be 2040. I should have got the figures straight before I got oh, on air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but they have, like, they've tightened all of these targets and they're, they're fast-tracking their way through that as, as quickly as possible. Unfortunately, at a federal level, we have a... Um, a really frustrating situation where on one hand we have Tanya Plibersek who, you know, I, I reckon Tanya wants to do the best she can um, in in her role as Environment Minister. But then on the other hand, we have Madeleine King, the Resources Minister, who is a go-for-broke gas pundit. Yeah. And, um, and I would argue very beholden to the fossil fuel industry, particularly the gas industry. I've, I've been in meetings with her where she's talked about gas and said, and, and spoken of the importance of it from an employment and economic perspective, completely ignored the climate impact of gas, mm -hmm. and, uh, and and is continuing to 
issue approvals for major gas projects onshore and offshore. So, uh, so even if the Victorian state government were to um, go 100% renewables and net zero tomorrow, the federal government is still able to trump the state government mm. and the federal government is still issuing approvals for fossil fuel projects at this time, it beggars belief. It's alarming, isn't it? But, uh, well, Mina... And hope... where is Chris Bowen in all of this as well? It's almost like he's the silent player and, and any time we do hear anything from him, he's um, glad-handing the Japanese government who are um, 100% complicit in a bunch of fossil fuel projects in Australia, mm. particularly, mm. you know, the Barossa, um, the Japanese bank is bankrolling um, uh, gas extraction in the Barossa, and we've got a brown coal to hydrogen project here in Gippsland in Victoria that is also Japanese government backed. So, um, so yeah, the, the federal government is is a tragic disappointment at this most critical time uh, of of pivoting climate change. Well, look, let's hope that these terrible events uh, uh, that are that are unfolding still in Victoria can can be the wake up call that brings them to their senses. Uh, there has to be something, doesn't there? Well, that's right. And I think, you know, if, if nothing else, the fact that it is really hitting their hip pocket. <laughs> you know, it's costing them money every time one of these events comes through. And it only is, I mean, you know, if they, if they can't see it from, a, um, from an environmental perspective or from a social perspective, if economics is the only thing that really gets them off their butts and gets them doing something, then, um, then that's starting to hit home as well. And, uh, and if that's what it takes... Mate, I'll take it because we <laughs> don't have any time to waste. No. Um, you know, we, uh, it's the one-two sucker punch of um, climate catastrophe is that it's not just one thing that happens. There's there's multiple things happening at the same time. Um, for instance, Lismore having the floods and then the massive landslipping and terraforming that happened mm. off the back of the floods and then the second flood all in one month. Mm. Mm. And um, That was on the tail of the fires and, of course, within the midst of a right. pandemic, all of which are related to the same causes. Right, yeah. exactly. So, so we need governments to appreciate that this is, uh, I mean, I don't want to say the new normal, but this is happening, it's accelerating, it's only going to hit us across all of the different sectors of government consideration and um, involvement. We need them to step up. We need them to actually develop plans to help communities um, recover and prepare ahead of time. Uh, they can't leave it up to uh, not-for-profits. They can't leave it up mm. to the ENGO sector to do all of the mop-up work and to do all of the prep work. No, They've no. been warned. They knew this was coming. They should be ready. Well, they've heard from you now, and I just noticed on your Instagram account that you are officially the uh, ruler of the universe, so I shall be expecting uh, to see um, you uh, revise that uh, that situation soon. I'm, uh, well, I'm co-ruler of the universe. Co-ruler. Well, Along you know. with all of us. We're yeah. all rulers of the universe. Oh, good, good, because I was going to say, there better be room for me on, the, uh, you know, on that throne somewhere. <laughs> I, 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 would, I can't think of anyone I would rather share a throne with to rule the universe, Sean O'Shaughnessy. <laughs> Thank you, Freya Leonard. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much for all of your help in lining all that up today and, and, and sharing that with us. Oh, hey, absolutely no problem. It's such a pleasure to um, to come on your show and, um, and, and thank you again for your incredible advocacy for the planet for all of these decades as well. Not High at all. High five. Hey, yeah, same to you. All right, we'll talk yeah. soon. Thanks, Freya. Look forward to it. See you, Sean. Bye.
That was Freya Leonard, uh, co-ruler of the universe and uh, uh, campaigner for the Friends of the Earth uh, in Melbourne on uh, the gas campaign down there, which is having considerable success in uh, bringing the, uh, the Victorian state government around to uh, to to degasifying their economy and uh, and and moving quickly towards uh, renewable prosperity. Uh, in the face of what has clearly become uh, an extreme emergency for the uh, the people of that state, and what uh, we see go there, we will we can expect uh, to be seen across the nation and across the world as the uh, as the the heat in the system increases and the chaos therefore increases. Look, that's about it for us today. I think we're going to just call it right now. Thank you very much for being with me and having your company. It really makes it uh, worthwhile doing all of this. So thank you uh, and uh, tune into the Environmental as Anything podcast and share it with your friends. Uh, please like and, uh, and share our socials on Facebook and on Instagram. And please uh, be gentle with yourself be kind to each other and remember we're all in this together. Ah, ah, ah.